Please stand with me as we read the text together. It's coming from Mark 10, verses 46 to 52. It says, And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. The word of God. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. As Pastor Otis has said, thank you for joining us here. It's good to be here with you all. Um, what an interesting story in this, in, in this text that we just read. The story of Bartimaeus, as the Bible calls him, blind Bartimaeus. A really interesting story. And I have to admit something. I'm going to confess a little bit today. Um, this story is actually a story that I have preached from before. Right? And I've actually uh, dove into the story, not the same text, but the same story. It's in Matthew 20. And in this time, in Matthew 20, it actually talks about two blind men. Same story, same thing, outside of Jericho, everything. And, and when Pastor Devo kind of assigns us our preaching schedule and stuff, I was like, oh, yeah, this is perfect. Because I've already written the sermon for this. You know, I've already prepared. And I was kind of excited because I knew exactly what I was going to share and how I was going to share it. It's easy. Right? I've already prepped this. I've been through this text before. But for some reason, like when I was reading this text, and I was going through it this time, something felt kind of different. And I was like, I'm not seeing the same things I once saw. And I was kind of stressed. I don't know if that's ever happened to anyone. You kind of come back to the same stories, and you're not seeing things the same way you once saw. So what did I do? I called Pastor Otis. But Pastor Otis, help me out. I actually need help. I don't really understand what I thought once thought about this text, and he really helped me process it through. Um, I'll tell you what I, what I originally used to call it. I preached this sermon, and what I used to call this sermon was called, uh, What Do You Want? That was the name of it. And uh, I used to start off with a funny story about me and Calmini, as I always do. I'm gonna, I think I bring up Calmini every time I preach. I love you. Thank you for letting me do that. Um, and <clears throat> the story, I'd always start off with this story. When we lived in Lacombe, Alberta, in the cold north, uh, when we lived there, there was only one store that was open past 8 p.m. in Lacombe. And that store is McDonald's. And when we would go to McDonald's, if we were ever hungry and the dorm is closed, cafe is closed, we'd go through drive-thru. And when we went through drive-thru, I'd be driving and I'd be like, hey, Cal, like, do you want anything? She'd be like, no, I'm okay. I'm like, you sure? Do you want anything? She's like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm like, okay. I'd order my stuff. I'd go through the drive-thru, get it. And as I'm driving back to the dorm where I'm excited to have my warm meal, I would hear the bag rustling. Like, what's going on? I'd look over and count these like four, five, six fries deep into the bag already. And I'm like, what's going on here? And I always get stressed about this. I'm like, Cal, you can just tell me what you want. I'll get it. I'll try my best. Right? And that was the whole point of the sermon. I'd start off with that story. I'd be like, you know, what do you want? Tell God what you want. And my three points for the sermon were this. It was my first point, don't hesitate with God. 
My second point was, what Jesus has for you is always better. My third point was, follow God. You know, that's like really kind and really a nice message. And I tried my best to preach about the goodness of God and share from my heart, I promise. And every time I would preach this, I felt really excited about it. But the reason why I'm saying this is a confession, the reason why I'm saying like, you know, like this was a really big wrestle for me because I think before when I had preached it, I missed something. And before when I had preached this and read this story, I feel like I always missed the mark about what this story is about. I would always believe that the lesson came from Bartimaeus and miss the lesson that came from Jesus. I would see the story of Bartimaeus and think like, this is the most important thing, but I would miss what Jesus was doing in the story. And so that's why, because of the things I understand now, the things I've come to learn now, and the things that I struggle understanding now, I can't preach the same sermon today when I look at this text. I think my mistake was thinking that this was a text that was only, only about prayer. And I think when you read this story, a common lesson is that we need to pray loudly for a miracle. We see Bartimaeus, he, he screams, and he screams again even louder. And so what I would kind of take away is, without addressing it, is that, you know, ask God for something. Ask him twice for something, and a miracle will happen. That sounds good. It feels good. It's kind of exciting. It kind of feels good spiritually. But we know that's not necessarily the reality. We know that sometimes we might pray for the same thing over and over and over again. Cry out to God, and nothing can happen. And I think when we fall into this culture of reading the text and trying to see it as uh, this is the way we do things, we try to formulate miracles. We try to find the formula for this is how I get my prayer answered. And we try to analyze Bartimaeus' faith, quantify and qualify his actions, and we look to see how this story can benefit us. We see the sto a story of somebody that's in pain and suffering, and we're like, how can this benefit me? And I would read this story, and I feel confident that I've learned a way to navigate through my own suffering and not once stop to think about how this story shows me how it can help somebody navigate through their suffering. And I struggle with this story being about prayer because a strange thing happens a few verses earlier. We'll look at that real quick. In verse 35 of the same chapter, it says, And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do whatever you ask, we ask of you. And he said to them, the exact same answer, he said, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the same baptism that I am baptized? Hmm. Well, here we see two people, James and John, who've walked with Jesus, who know Jesus, who've been with him, yet when they ask for something, Jesus kind of rejects them. And, and maybe the issue that comes from this is that if we compare these two stories, if we begin to compare and contrast these two stories of Bartimaeus and, and James and John, we begin to become faith police or like spiritual officers. Like we'll look at these stories and be like, okay, so they weren't doing something enough or maybe they were too prideful when they asked Jesus and Bartimaeus asked the right way, right? We're becoming like these police of spiritual affairs. And so we think that we can come up with a definition of how to ask Jesus for things. And maybe sometimes we do this today. We judge people's faith by their blessings and their hardships. 
We see what people are going through and we're like, ah, man, they have a good walk with God. Oh, man, that person might be kind of struggling, not praying enough. Right? That's why sometimes if anyone's ever gone through this, you know, you might see somebody get accepted into med school in their first application. But then you might be on your fifth rejection letter. And so you're wondering, that person might be praying well with God or they have a good connection with God. And I'm struggling, even though I'm going to church. Even though I'm doing my Bible studies, I'm going to small groups, I must be missing something. But we know this is not how God works. And thank God that's not how God works. And so it's hard for me to see this story as a story about prayers I once did. So how do I see it? And I think that what this story really is about is Jesus calling us of what we should be doing. And this is what Pastor Devo, Pastor Raymond, Pastor Beth have shown us in these weeks, that these are stories about Jesus showing us how to look out for our neighbors. These are stories about Jesus showing us how to treat other people. Has anyone ever heard of the Disney princess theology? Have you ever heard of that? This is Princess Theology. For anyone who hasn't heard of it, it's a funny name, but let's look at it. What does it say? Um, Erna Kim Hackett, she's a public theologian and the founder of Liberated Together, a community for women of color. She writes this. Christianity suffers from a bad case of Disney princess theology. As each individual reads scripture, they see themselves as a princess in every story. They are Esther, never Xerxes or Haman. They are Peter, but never Judas. They are the women anointing Jesus, never the Pharisees, They're the Jews escaping slavery, never Egypt. She continues by mentioning that this leaves us utterly ill-equipped to engage issues of power and injustice. Who do we see ourselves when we read Bible stories? And I try to expand on Erner's perspective. I believe that what we do too often when we read the stories throughout the Gospels is we define ourselves as the people hurting, like Bartimaeus. And we ignore that Jesus is showing us how to move to people who are hurting. And I don't think it's necessarily wrong to relate to suffering. I don't think it's wrong to see pain in the word and relate to it and feel it, but I think the issue comes when we think that there's no one else that could be hurting other than us. And that's why I love when Pastor Jason at the university, he's always sharing that this year they're focusing on the things that Jesus did. And that's what this story is about. This is a text about how we approach people, not just God. And this approach is concluded by the question that Jesus asked Bartimaeus, the same question that Jesus asked James and John, what do you want me to do for you? And not in a way of power, of being the sole answer, but in a communal way of seeking how to be helpful in a way that makes sense to the receiver. So today I want to share with you three new things that I see from this story in this place that I am in my ongoing journey of learning about Jesus. The first thing I think see from this story Listen to the cries of those hurting. Maybe it's because we're so busy. Maybe it's because of the algorithms online. Maybe it's because of our own complacency. It's easy for us to ignore the tragedies that happen around us. It's easy for us to miss the things that are happening that people need attention for. It's, easy so much, it's, easy, it's so easy for us to focus on our own suffering or our own situations that we miss the suffering or we, it easily slips our mind like the situation of us happening in Ukraine. Like we can be so busy that it already comes out of our mind that people are hurting. We can be so busy that we forget the injustice are happening at, at this moment. And we, it's easy for us to ignore the cries of those who are hurting. And this is the painful part. Sometimes we don't hear it. But there are people, sometimes I do this, I hear where the cries are coming from. I know where the cries are coming from, but I try to silence the voices. 
And I try to silence the voices through comparing, through harmful worldviews, through maybe bad Christianity, and I try to silence the issues that are happening around me, and it's easier for me to ignore them. And so we know that it's not, it's not enough to just simply listen, but we also need to be people who do something about the cries. We are shown that in the crowd that followed Jesus, there were people who rejected the cries of people hurting. And the reality is, being a part of the crowd does not automatically mean we speak life to pain. There is more work to be done than just walking behind Jesus. We need to do more than listen. We need to speak life rather than rebuke. Who are the people that are crying around us? Who are the people that are crying out for Jesus to, to show mercy that we can meet them too? My second point is this, move closer. Jesus stops and says, call him. And we read so many stories about Jesus on the move. Jesus moving from place to place and going place to place and going everywhere across the area that the Bible takes place in. But it's amazing, it's an amazing thing when Jesus stops. Because when Jesus stops, Jesus is about to remind someone of their value. And this is what's important and I've said this before, though that, there, though, there be, though that there will be people around who might reject you and rebuke you, Jesus will never rebuke you. Jesus will call you closer. And if we as people who know Jesus do a bad job of being that love that Jesus is, Jesus will find a way to make sure that you know that he is love. So Jesus moves closer. And he shows us the example of how good it is when we come close to pain when we come close to the others who are hurting. Because it's hard for us to serve other people when we remain at a distance. And whether you are rebuking or not, when we are distant, we rob ourselves of the opportunity for a relationship. And without relationship, how can we know what to do to help others? Does our service begin with relationship? Relationship to those who are different than us. Relationship to those who we are uncomfortable around. Where does our service begin? to those outside of our comfort zone. Truly being helpful to others requires us to move closer. The third point comes from the simple question, what do you want me to do for you? This question is so simple, yet so important. And I think Jesus is teaching us a few things from this question. Jesus shows us the importance of consent, right? We think sometimes that we don't need consent to do something good. But if we only do good on our, own, on our own terms, we may end up only serving ourselves. Everyone should be able to be given the autonomy they deserve and are capable of. Jesus also shows us the importance of humility. Jesus could have just told Bartimaeus what he needed. Jesus could have just told Bartimaeus, yeah, you need to see, and boom, I'll do it for you. But it was important that Bartimaeus got to choose how he received the help. And I've seen videos online, and you might have seen videos online of people just going forward to do an act of kindness. And it's from a good place in their heart. But sometimes it misses the mark. Like I've seen people see somebody without a home and then they buy a house for them or something. Or they buy a nice apartment or a suite for them. But how are they going to pay rent after this? Or I've seen people try and buy a really fancy car for somebody that they know has been struggling. But without addressing the issue, like how are they going to pay for the car after this? You know, and these things that we try to do that come out of our hearts make show up more as performative than intentional. And so we need to ask the question, 
what do you want me to do for you? What can I do for you? We, don't need to, we do not need to presume a solution when we have the opportunity to come close and ask how we can be helpful. What do you want me to do for you? You know, I think about my mom and my dad. You know, so much of my life where there was a pressure of making sure I did the right things or I went down the right path. And I remember when I was a kid and I really wanted to be a farmer for a bit. Or when I was a kid, I really wanted to be a chef for a bit. And instead of asking me, like, how can we help you? They were like, no, you got to do this, this, and this, right? And that's how it goes sometimes. Instead of asking, what can I do for you to help you get to where you're going or where you feel like you need to be? They were telling me where I need to go. And putting on me what their view was and their vision was. But also I think about my dad specifically. Growing up in my home, and I've mentioned before, my mom raised my brother and I. And when we were kids, I grew up in the city called Guelph, and we were, I guess, the typical full family, whatever people picture that may be. It was my dad, my mom, my brother, and I living in this small apartment. And when I was about five years old, my dad packed up and he moved to Ghana. And I remember like, trying to understand, like, why did he leave? Or I spent so much of my life wondering, like, why did he go somewhere else to live while I was growing up? And as I grew up, I'd ask questions, and he would always kind of come with the same answer. You know, like, I can work here. I have uh, a degree there, and I can use my degree better in this country. I can make more money and help the family. And that became like a reoccurring theme, like, we'll provide for you more. We'll help you out more. We'll have more money for you to do certain things. And he did this thing for my brother and I, my mom, without ever asking, what do you want me to do for you? And I reflect on that moment because, yes, he tried to work so that we would have kind of an easier life or be able to have a life with less stress, but it was never what I wanted. Because if he'd asked my brother and I, what can I do for you? What do you want me to do for you? We possibly would have been like, we want your time. We want you to be present with us at the home. We want you to hang out with us and raise us as I see other kids having that experience with their fathers. He never asked me what I wanted, but he tried to do something for what we wanted. And I think this culture, this culture comes out all the time. We try to help without coming close. We try to help without actually asking the people who we're trying to help out. But we have this opportunity, and Jesus shows us this, 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 this way to reach out to those who are in need. We can ask, what can I do for you? This story isn't just a story about prayer. I believe that this story is a lesson for humanity. Jesus is showing us how to treat others today, right now, to listen to the people hurting, to be willing to move close and help create a culture that people can open up about what they truly need. The story doesn't end with Bartimaeus receiving sight because seeing with his eyes was not the most important thing in this story. Yes, his sight was recovered, but he was also restored into community. The story has a happy ending because once Bartimaeus can see, he follows Jesus on the way. He's restored to community, and that is the greatest healing we can do right now. We may not have the miraculous power of Jesus. We may not have the way to do something uh, that's so spectacular that people will all be so happy about. But what we can do is move close and bring people in the space. We can move close and give people value. We can get, move close and remind people of who they are and how God sees them. We read stories like this in the gospel and make it seem like the greatest issue is the difference of abilities or the inability of some characters. 
when the greatest issue has always been the crowd's response to those differences. God is calling us higher. He's calling us to move closer. He's calling us to remind people of their value and remind them that they're loved. God is calling us to serve people deeply and show the example that we can all start, make it start at this point of just asking, what can I do for you?